Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is March 21st. Today, you guys, is our last day in this week's Come Follow Me block. Next week, we're going to be starting Enos through the Words of Mormon. So in next week, we're going to cover about 300 years, give or take, of history. <laughs> and and I'm really excited to study those books with you guys. So today, we're just going to finish off a couple principles in Jacob chapter 7. Now, if you'll remember, Jacob chapter 7, we have the Antichrist, Sherem, has come into the picture, and he's trying to speak to Jacob so that he can convince Jacob that he is wrong and that he is preaching an incorrect doctrine and gospel. It's really interesting because in verse 6, he says that he came unto me saying, Brother Jacob, I have sought much opportunity that I might speak unto you. Now that phrase is really interesting, the fact that he called him Brother Jacob. And it's a testament to what is said about Sherem in the previous verses, that he was wise in speaking and that he was really good at flattering the people. And so he comes to Jacob with so much love, calls him Brother Jacob and speaks to him so kindly. Then he says, hey, I know that you've gone about preaching what you call the gospel or the doctrine of Christ. Christ. And then he accuses him. He says, And ye have led away much of this people, that they pervert the right way of God, and keep not the law of Moses, which is the right way, and convert the law of Moses into the worship of a being, which ye say shall come many hundred years hence. Pause there really quick. Sherem is telling Jacob that he is teaching incorrectly because he's saying that the law of Moses is only about the law, that they should be keeping the law, that they should be making sacrifices, but those sacrifices and the law should not be pointing to anyone else. Whereas the people of the Book of Mormon, they kept the law of Moses, but they knew that they kept it as a type or a shadow of Jesus Christ who would come. They kept it as a way to worship him and to point their souls to him. Then he goes on to say, And now behold, I share and declare unto you that this is blasphemy, for no man knoweth of such things, for he cannot tell of things to come. So a couple of really interesting things here. First of all, Sherem accuses Jacob of blasphemy, which we read in the scriptures, and it's just one of those words that's in the scriptures, and we don't think much of it. But when Sherem accuses Jacob of, of blasphemy here, there are two definitions of blasphemy. One is attempting to lead people into apostasy, and the second is to proclaim to be a deity. Now, the interesting thing about that is that both of those definitions of blasphemy are punishable by capital punishment under the Mosaic Law. So when Sherem comes in and he's like, hey, Jacob, what you're doing is blasphemy, he is basically calling for Jacob to be killed under the Mosaic Law. Now, something that I think is important to note here is that Sherem must have really believed the things that he was saying. He must have had this part of him that was just convinced that he was right. Because also under Mosaic Law, if Jacob had been tried of blasphemy and found innocent, then that would make Sherem guilty of capital punishment. And so understanding that, because remember, he's a big believer in Mosaic Law, he must have believed what he was preaching. Otherwise, he wouldn't have set himself up for that capital punishment. So that's one thing that I think is really interesting. The second part is that he says, for no man knoweth of such things, for he cannot tell of things to come. 
Now, what I think is really interesting about that is that down in verse 9, Jacob says to him, Hey, do you deny the Christ who shall come? And Sherem said, If there should be a Christ, I would not deny him. But I know that there is no Christ. Neither has there been nor ever will be. So in verse 7, he's saying, Hey, no one can know the future. No one can know what's going to happen. And then you hop down to verse 9 and he's like, Hey, look, I know that it's never going to happen. And I think that's so interesting because I find that that tends to be the logic of people who try to convince us that we're wrong. Their logic sometimes seems to be more of like a one-way street, right? Now I want to go to verse 14. Now Jacob asks if Sharon believes in the scriptures and Sharon says that he does. And Jacob explains that if he believes in the scriptures, then he must not understand them because all the scriptures prophesy and testify of Christ. And Sharon gets all defensive and he's like, well, then show me a sign. If Christ is going to come, then I need to have a sign shown unto me. And I love what is said in verse 14. Jacob says, what am I that I should tempt God to show unto thee a sign in the thing which thou knowest to be true? Now, the thing that I like about that is it would seem that Jacob can discern that Sherem has received testimony that Christ would come. I've had that experience as a teacher and as a missionary where I could discern if someone was believing or not believing something. And it seems that Jacob has that same experience where he can discern that Sherem has received a witness of Jesus Christ. Now, the thing that makes me super sad is that here we have Sherem, who at one point was a believer, at one point had a testimony of Jesus Christ, and has turned so far the other way that not only does he now not have a testimony of Jesus Christ, but he is bent on dragging others down with him. He feels like he has to preach and convince other people that Christ won't come also. Kind of reminds me of that old quote where it says that people can leave the church, but they can never leave the church alone. And that's what it seems Sherem is doing here, that he has somehow lost his testimony and now he wants to bring others down with him. I want to talk a little bit about how we can prevent that from happening to us, how we can maintain strong testimonies of the Church of Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, sometimes people don't do what they have to do to maintain that testimony. As I was finishing my mission, I was in my exit interview and I was nervous to go home because I felt like I had changed a ton on my mission and I really liked who I had become. And so when I was in my exit interview with my mission president, he asked me how I felt about going home and I expressed that concern to him that I didn't want to go home because I didn't want to lose the person that I had become. And I'll never forget, my mission president looked at me and he said, Sister Hale, that's my maiden name, Sister Hale, your mission didn't change you. And at first I got like a little offended. I was like, ah, I'm totally a different person. But then he went on and he was like, your mission didn't change you. Your obedience to the commandments of God changed you. And if that obedience never changes, then you won't change either. And you guys, that principle has become a guidepost for my life. When I find an area of my life that is slipping a little bit, I can almost always do some reflection and find an area of obedience that I'm letting slip. And when I correct that, then the spirit in my life is back in full swing. Neil L. Anderson said in an October 2010 conference in a talk called Never Leave Him, he said this, Perfection does not come in this life. 
but we exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and keep our covenants. President Monson has promised your testimony, when constantly nourished, will keep you safe. We push our spiritual roots deep, feasting daily on the words of Christ in the scriptures. We trust in the words of the living prophets placed before us to show the way. We pray and pray and listen to the quiet voice of the Holy Ghost that leads us along and speaks peace to our soul. Whatever challenges arise, we never, never leave him. Now, I like that. So often, you guys in the church, we talk about the primary answers, right? The primary answers, go to church, say your prayers, read the scriptures. Now, I believe that they're called the primary answers, not because we learn them in primary. Remember the old song, the primary colors are one, two, three, red, yellow, and blue? They're called the primary colors because those are the colors that every other color builds upon. Every color is based off of those three colors. And I believe that those three things, going to church, reading your scriptures, saying your prayers, are the primary answers because those are the three things that we build every other aspect of our obedience off of. When we are doing those three things, we are naturally serving our fellow men. When we do those three things, we will have the desire to be in the temple. When we do those three things, we will be naturally keeping our covenants. Those three things keep us safe and they allow us to build every other aspect of our obedience. It is so vital that you and I are vigilant in our testimonies of Jesus Christ and his restored church, that we are consistently doing the things that we need to do to maintain that spirit and that fire in our lives so that we don't end up like Sherem, someone who used to know, someone who used to believe. Our Father in heaven needs us in his kingdom, but far more important, you guys, he wants us here. Let us be vigilant in building and maintaining our testimonies now and every single day for the rest of our lives so that we can stand firm and strong in the things that we know to be true, despite the attacks of the world and those who seek to harm our testimonies. You and I can be strong. We can be like Jacob. We can build and maintain that testimony forever. Thank you so much for listening today, you guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to subscribe, to like, and to share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.